You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Hi, welcome to Space Bros, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Kate, and with me is the only person I would want as my partner in crime should everyone go insane and start like trying to murder each other. And by everyone, I mean men. Uh, Mary Johnson, what up, <laughs> Guess what? That's kind of happening. <laughs> it's not quite as aggressive. I mean, it's like yeah, secret. It's, it's not aggro, but it's like, hey, you all should all go outside during a global pandemic because it'll be good for the economy and you'll all die and it's fine. Hey, it's fine. I can't help this but notice all you people have filed for unemployment and I'm not making as much money as I used to, which is a goddamn lie because the rich are getting richer, by the way. Yep. You know, we already recorded an episode where where we talked about the Twilight Zone and how, like, you know, when we recorded this pandemic was just starting, but, like, parts of it get easier and parts of it don't. Well, and I think that it's, it's sort of like a weird... Um, I, I think it's sort of poignant that we started the then at the beginning of this, and now we feel like, you know, at least hip deep in this situation. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, it definitely can get worse, and it probably will, but, like, we're yep. in it. Like, there's no question. Like, we're not we're not babes in the woods of this anymore. Like, we know we know what's up. Yep. We're, we're mid-May right now. Everybody has known someone who got sick. Some people, unfortunately, know somebody who somebody who's died. Like, it's real. It's out there, man. There's no question. And I guess it's interesting to say that, like, even when you do live in the Twilight Zone, when you become, like, a more permanent resident of the Twilight Zone, which is what it feels like, um, yeah. it still means that you, like, yeah. feel pain and sorrow and it's hard. Absolutely. But maybe that's the only way Absolutely. because then we know we can imagine a better world. I think that the, like that's what kind of bugs me about the whole situation. I feel like the arguments that put people needlessly in danger just show an extreme lack of imagination. Like, well, everyone has to go back to work because otherwise the economy breaks. Well, maybe the economy is not that great if we can't respond to global situations. <laughs> Also, the economy is literally a gambling system for the wealthy. Yeah, like, like, I, like doesn't this? Why are we? Why are we acting like dinosaurs die all the time? Like yeah. the music industry had to change. Maybe the way we assess our economy has to change. Maybe the way purchasing happens changes. Like maybe, maybe change is not the worst. And also, since when was the free market actually yeah. a good decider in anything? Progressive, anyway. No, it's not. If the economy, which is basically supposed to be um, the, the the way that we measure prosperity and and resourcing of goods, can't be flexible and elastic enough to help people when everyone everyone has to deal with this, then that's pretty bad. Also, there is there is one non-negotiable yep. in all of this, and that is human life. Human life is the non-negotiable. The fact that this is not something we can control, it was not something made in a lab, it is a naturally occurring, very bad thing, yep. like a hurricane. If we can protect yep. people, we should. Everything yeah. about the economy is it should be negotiable. Human life is not negotiable. Yeah. Anyway, uh, welcome back. We have been living in another dystopia with Westworld uh, that has officially wrapped. Uh, thank you for everyone who joined our quarantine series. If you have not, please go ahead and check it out. 
Uh, I foresee a future in which we'll have fun bonuses again, but uh, for right now, we are picking back up Twilight Zone, and then we're going to pass on the baton to something exciting. We'll tell you at the end of the episode. Sounds good. Let's get into it. All right. So, Mary, uh, we're back with the Twilight Zone, and now we're going to be talking about the Twilight Zone of the present. And by that, I mean the Jordan Peele incarnation that lives on CBS All Access. Indeed. Uh, A place where they can drop F-bombs, apparently, which every time I watch it and I get it, I'm like, whoa. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's not it's not like on TV (laughs) TV. I like like your pearl clutching for language. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't normally have um, it, but it just surprises me because it feels so much like like it just feels like something that would just be on primetime. Like, not, you know. No, absolutely. It has that uh, tonality. I, well, and and since, you know, we already talked about our history with, uh, old, with the Twilight Zone, do we want to talk about, um, our, our, our relationship with Jordan Peele? Yeah. I was like, I love that idea. So, like, yeah, I, you know, I'd seen some Cam Peele, whatever, but like, Get Out was a fantastic movie. Us, was an inc- like if Get Out was popcorn cinema, us is cerebral indictment of capitalism and um yeah I'm one of those people that likes willing- us more than Get Out. Get Out is a masterpiece and like there's yeah, no one it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece, but I the message of of us like stays in my as like buried in my soul. Like it's so. Ooh, (laughs) it's it's a it's a the message of it is deeper and darker and sadder and weirder to me. Yeah, no, it's on every on every level. So, yeah. So they give this this man, this uh, this emerging genius of uh, horror cinema and not all the kind of horror that I can get along with because it's actually telling me something really important and fresh. It's it's smart. It's smart horror for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll put up with the fact that, like, it fucking terrifies the shit out of me, especially us. Oh, my God. So fucking scary. Kate, anyway, noted, um, noted horror weenie. I would say us oh, gave me nightmares. I'm surprised that you hung say, in like, there. Oh, yeah. No. Um, Get too, out. I think that's... anybody can watch as long as gore doesn't bug them too much. Like, sure, it's pretty sure, gory, sure. but. Us. And it's. Us, but it's like not that, like that beginning, like, that oh. first, the first third, the first of the three acts where it's a home invasion is some of the most terrifying shit, like, ever 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 so by the way if you're someone who was not able to get past that first third of the movie uh get past it we really should do scary after that we will do them we got to consider this like the amuse-bouche of jordan peele that you're gonna get here because he was given the reins to the twilight zone uh reboot on cbs because he has proven himself to be a great storyteller and mary what do you what what do you think about the new Twilight Zone, and uh, what about this episode? Um, well, we'll get into the episode in depth. I will say in general, so this is not I just a... meant like, yeah, if you want to yeah. jump off into the plot over I will, after. I will. Yeah. This is not a hot take. I think everybody who has watched the new Twilight Zone feels this way. I struggle yeah. with it. Um, yep. Some episodes I really enjoy. I haven't, I don't think that there's been an episode that I, like, love yet, yeah, I really enjoy some episodes. Um, I really like the episode replay. I think that that's spectacular. That's probably the best episode they have that I've seen. I don't know which episode that is. Um, that's I haven't the seen one. Them all, to be fair, that's the one about um, co- like cops and racial profiling and oh, um, I haven't seen it and trauma. It's really good. Um, oh yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's really good. And then I like their nightmare at three thousand feet. I think that it's interesting. 
Um, from but I I feel like they don't. The thing that I like about it is I feel like not. I might it might just be me. <laughs> the reason that I like it, I feel like it's like a story about white man's uh, assumption of exceptionalism. Because, like, you have this dude and he's, like, listening to this podcast also narrated by a, like, coded as white man. And then there's, like, another white man who is, like, ooh, I can take, like, everyone on this, this plane is doomed and I can, the only one who can fly it. Oh, 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 I thought you were talking about different. I like this episode. Yeah, it's really good. And then, like, at the end you realize. And everybody else on the plane is, like, a woman or a person of color or a woman of color, (laughs) like. And he just, like, doesn't listen to any of them, even the people who are absolute experts, and then, like, dooms them all. I think that that's an awesome direction to take, especially considering the original one is basically about how we should listen to white men. Yeah, Um, absolutely. No, it's it's a really, really amazing um, subversion of the story. Yeah, I really... it's really well done. It's very captivating, and it's kind of beautiful to watch. Yeah, no, I thought you were talking about a different episode. I really liked that one. Good, I'm so glad, because I was like, why don't you like it? It's so good. Um, And then the episodes I don't... There are episodes I... Then there are episodes that I'm like, this is okay. And then there are episodes I really don't like. I really don't like the comedian, the first episode of of the series one. And I really Mm -hmm. don't like the, like, Trump is a child wonderkin episode because it's so lazy feeling and like the tone of it is like really off-putting and like maybe 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 like once this like once he is out of office and it like years and years and years have passed and we're living in a socialist utopia I can look back on it and think it's like funny but I'm not I'm not ready now so I just like think it's like a really bizarre thing um, but I will say, and we'll, we can get this at the end, I, I do think I understand. So I love Jordan Peele. I'm a little bit baffled by how much I don't love the new Twilight Zones in general. I, I have some theories on that. Do you have some theories on that? Yeah. Let's talk about it at the end when we get to the compare. I'm done. So this episode, we are watching from Twilight Zone uh, seri- season one. So that's the one that came out in 2019. Series one, um, episode seven, and it's entitled Not All Men. You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. It lies between the pits of one's fear and the summit of one's knowledge. You are now traveling through a dimension of the imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Not all men. Focuses on our main hero, Annie Miller who is oh, starts the episode over at her co-worker Dylan's house for lobster and some meteor shower watching um, after they tromp out into the woods to investigate one of the fallen meteorites and Dylan pockets a piece, they head back inside and post up on the couch. The vibe is like definitely flirty, but Anna or Annie doesn't want to go too far and Dylan... Um, Tells her it's okay before becoming visibly enraged and violent after she leaves. So Annie okay. escapes and shocks it all up to a bad date. But little does she know, the next 24 hours will change how she thinks about all the nice guys in her life forever. Just as we started uh, the Twilight Zone then, this episode, I think, is an even more blunt allegory than uh, what yeah. we were dealing with. Um, yep. and number 12 looks just like you. What is this episode about, Kate? 
This episode uh, puts forth the thesis statement that if given the opportunity to scapegoat male toxic masculinity, a man will happily run rampant in their monstrousness, that they don't have to be monsters, that it's a choice that they make. There's an evocative and interesting supposition that happens when um, one of the sisters, Martha, picks up uh, the meteorite, this thing that that we've been told is like the power source, the thing transforming these men into monstrous assholes and tries to use it to like operationalize herself, like to turn mm-hmm. into a monster herself. And her sister's like, um, it's not going to work for us. Like they're pow- And I thought even before we get the reveal that is literally not actually the thing that's making them crazy. So it would never work for you. I thought it was an interesting supposition that reminded me of, a uh, of an Audrey and rich poem, um, diving into the wreck where she talked about the idea of like male to- toxicity, like male power, like that actually will never be accessible to us. We need to find a new way. And like in the poem, she, she compares it to like being a scuba diver going down into the water and how, you'll just, in a, in a totally new framework, you would have to move differently. Like everything would be different. And there's this beautiful line where it's like, the sea is another story. The sea is not a question of power. I have to learn alone to turn my body without force in the deep element. And it's just like this moment where it's like, if we are actually, our strength is actually a different thing entirely. Um, again, it gets complicated by the fact that like later on the meteors are, are literally just scapegoats and like uh and like right. a MacGuffin that men are using to allow themselves to be monstrous but like i still thought that, that was an intentional moment um, oh take it yeah well and especially yeah. since like you know the meteors even though even though it turns out that the meteors are nothing like don't, aren't doing anything they're just little pieces of space rock definitely yeah. they represent the concept of toxic masculinity like the men use them to be like i now can be exactly. as toxic as i want to be but like they yeah. still represent it so like when she holds it you know, the the like the on the first layer, basically, it's Annie being like, Martha, you know, that's not going to work because it only works on the men. But also there's like a thing of like, Martha, you know, that like women can't access toxic masculinity. Like we can't yeah, we can't operationalize that. For like we can't lean in <laughs> like, you know, even on a, it's a very extreme example. But like we can't. If, if, like, any little attempt we have to, like, grasp uh, the aggression that men wield so um, confidently and successfully to get what they want, we actually kind of can't do that. So it's like, there's a cool, I really like that you bring that up. That's, like, a great... a great piece of it. And I think it also, like, works double time because you also have these two women who are faced in, like, similarly to you and me right now and the world mm-hmm. right now, we are in an unprecedented situation. And you find yourself, and we see this now in our world, we see yeah. people grasping for reasons because it's scary to see to be like, it just is. It just yeah. is. And there's nothing we really can do about it. Like, you yeah, know, like there's something we... In her case, it's there's nothing that Annie and Martha can do to fix this problem because there isn't this. They are not. They are the victims of this problem, not the perpetrators. Right. So they're like, absolutely. They hold no solution. So I like that we have them like the absurdity of of two women crouched behind a um, gas pump while like men are like rioting and whacking each other with bats and murdering each other and then like clutching a little piece of rock and being like maybe this will make me strong enough to fight like that's ridiculous that is that's like a a crazy analogy for like women being like you know what I'm just gonna go in that meeting and you know what I'm not gonna let them take over my space 
That's that'll yeah. be enough. Then they'll respect me. No, they won't. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Um, so I really I liked that a lot. Uh, I also love my problem. So that's one of my favorite things about this is like the grasping for excuses and how like we all do that all the time yeah. when we face scary yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and also the I love how the title makes it like very blatant that this is political. Yeah. Like one hundred percent. Like they are yeah. entering this in, and this is I think a story directly aimed at so-called quote unquote nice guys. People who yeah. are like, I'm a nice guy. Won't th- why won't these bitches like me? Why won't these bitches exactly. sleep with me? Exactly. I'm a nice That's... guy. Why are these bitches choosing the wrong people every time? Like, why, do why they are these have bitches just, like, so dumb? Such bad cho- yeah. Why are they making such bad choices over and over again? Otherwise, they would be choosing me. Bitches. Yeah. Bitches. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the best kind of guy. The kind of guy every girl dreams about. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Annie and Martha, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Um... So I, <clears throat> you have a sister. So I'm curious if there's, I have a sister. If, sis- <laughs> if the sister relationship rings true to you, I have I have a brother, but like I see so, moments. There's there are commonalities, but I do think the bond between sisters is definitively different between a bond between a sister and a brother. Sure, absolutely, and um, I know though that like my sister and I are um, exceptionally close. Uh, yeah, you know, um, so. So some of this, it's like, yeah, maybe that would work. Um, but like it, I'm surprised that they don't see each other more. And that like in the bar, when like Annie's giving Martha like clear cues, like, no, don't call over this guy. It's like, come on. Yeah. And I understand that like she's supposed to be drunk. But like, I think even like if drunk, it's hard to imagine my sister being like, yeah, yeah, bring it. But like after that moment, like just like the togetherness when they get to be on like the same page and this like horror narrative, like yeah, that felt pretty authentic. Um that dude, that moment, uh <clears throat> so right right when right when the change becomes kind of mainstream, they're out at a bar, it's Martha's birthday, they're having drinks, some guys are shooting meteorites, which like Are they okay. eating the rocks? I had like some- I guess- no, it's the fucking weirdest thing. I think thing. they're just so, drinking liquor around the rocks, but it's like, shoot the meteor, shoot. I'm like, are they just like yeah, down in little pieces of rock? Swallowing rock? Yeah, it doesn't make That's going to play, up. I mean, like, I mean, that that's going to play some hell on your anus. That's all I'm saying. I'm like, God, right? Oh, I'll rip you right open. Um, yep. <laughs> God. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, um, they leave the bar and... This guy from Annie's work recognizes her and starts harassing her and calls her a bitch and like, why aren't you paying attention to me, stuck up bitch? And like, then gets on his motorcycle and chases them. And they keep trying to make evasive turns. It's clear that he is really chasing them and they're genuinely scared. And um, that happened to my sister and I uh, once. Mm. That like gave me like flashbacks because that was like how it felt. Like, luckily we outran the person and they drove all the way out to fucking Georgetown and we drove down the driveway and like turned off the lights and stuff so that they wouldn't see that like we had just pulled in. That's so you know? scary. But was... Like they followed you for like 30 minutes. Yes. It was scary as fuck. <sighs> I'm so sorry that happened to you. What you've just witnessed, listeners, is a is a organic and all too common interaction between ladies. I have a terrifying yeah. story. That's awful. Oh no. <laughs> like <laughs> Because you know what? Oh no! N- like, none of us, to be- none of us have yeah. a solution for it. Um, and I do think that this same conversation happens in this episode, and I think that it's the best. I agree. Like Annie and Martha don't make sense to me as sisters until the car chase, and even like right before yeah. the car chase, 
when like Martha's been kind of teasing Anna about Annie about Dylan being like, "Ooh, Dylan!" Like, "Oh, you work with Dylan," and like yeah, Annie's so weird. Yeah, like, which is weird, cr- crazy. Because like Annie's like throwing off like wild vibes, and we know so wild, like wild, like abort. This is terrible vibes. So not, right. Like, no know, one, no one no would keep teasing her about either. it. But then Annie basically is like. Dude, he assaulted me on a date. Like she doesn't say it that clearly, but she does. She does in like in like common bond lady language with yeah, no, Martha. It's, it's it's yeah. If you are, um, <clears throat> it's hard to imagine that there's a woman who is anywhere near us in age who did not immediately read that as because even when she was like, "Why didn't you tell me?" And she's like, "I mean, I did," and that way that didn't say anything. I'm still processing, and all of that's real. Like. Yeah. It's probably you know, honestly was worth for worse for women in like our like our mother's generation. To be honest, Jesus, with you. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure because at least now, like you know, most women your age will listen to you at least. Yeah, yeah. Before it was like, oh well, sexual assault—that's like basically a compliment, right? I like that scene because you see Martha kind of understand and and finally, it's, it's sort of like. You have Annie in this isolated moment of horror, and she's, like, noticing the fact that none of the men are right around her. And then you have, like, a very realistic, very grounded conversation that women have all the time between the two of them about, like, bad dates they've gone yeah. on or bad bad times with dudes. And, yeah, you know... Yeah, bad dates being, like, just, like, the way you li- say... Living life. Horrific shit. Yeah. Yeah. Horrific shit that happens, but... If I called it anything worse than a bad date, like, it would just take away too much of my emotional energy for me to get anything done. Right. And Martha's like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been there. Like, you, so you know it's like this shared, it's shared trauma, right? And yeah. I really like that scene. I like them at the end. I do feel like it's a little weird to me. I don't think that they, pa- I don't think this episode passes, passes the Bechdel test, which is sort of strange. Yeah, that is strange. Uh, so they, like, there's not like a moment of them just being like, yeah, hanging out. Two siblings that care about each other. Um, it's all revolves around either, yeah, Martha's husband or son. It always is a man. So I kind of was yeah. like, are they just like ciphers? That kind of blows. And it was like kind of mm-hmm. bugging me. And then because they're they're defined so clearly by how they react to the male violence around them and the violence that is inflicted upon them. And yep. they're also and like especially Martha's like super slow on the uptake and I'm like girl that's just hard to believe for me. Like but then I was like maybe and this this is probably me just giving like Jordan Peele like way too much credit, but I do kind of feel like maybe this is by design. Maybe this maybe I am not the, the person, audience. yeah, maybe this episode's not for me. Maybe the episode's not supposed to teach me anything because I already know all of this, and it's not preaching to the choir. And this episode is yep. for people who don't believe in toxic masculinity. So yeah. you have these women. So like, so therefore, the women really just are functioning by <laughs> reacting to the violence, right? And then you have these women who are given realistic, reactive roles that show that the fear is not unfounded and that it like pervades their lives. And then they, the men, men's violence, like there's no one who, there's no one who like sees this and is like, yep, that's exactly the way men are. Men are beating each other with bats in the street. But like, it's the violence is like amped so high so that like you understand that the threat that Annie and Martha feel is like potent and serious. It's real. Yeah, and also yeah. how ludicrous it is to watch them like clutch a rock and be like, maybe this is safe. 
Maybe this will save yeah. me. Or how ludicrous yeah. it is for them to be like in the midst, midst of like being chased down by a violent biker and being like, well, everyone goes on bad dates sometimes. Like, you know, like, yep. so, yep. you, you know, and, and and therefore how ludicrous <laughs> it is to deny that like rape culture is real or that toxic masculinity is real. If that is what it is driving at, which I hope it is, that like this is just like a fact of life that yeah, these absolutely. women have learned how to kind of cope with but like why should they because it's not okay yeah so i kind of you can survive and it doesn't make it good yeah so i i kind of hope that's true i think that they could have done some things to make it a little bit more obvious but then maybe it wouldn't be as like subtle i don't i don't know or maybe not be as effective because it's not as subtle i don't know i think i think that um i think that this will this will come back up when we get to the end about like what you know, because yeah, I I this is this is the part that I think is emblematic of a lot of what doesn't work about for me in, in the new Twilight Zone. Yeah, like there's so much here that I'm here for and enjoy. Yep. And then there's just like some of the execution just doesn't. Yeah, work it just for like me. it like biffs it. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is a shame. Wild shit when you think about it. And sometimes I also want to just blame CBS and be like, you know, maybe they are hard to work with but it's hard to imagine that anyone i don't know would not just be letting jordan peele do whatever he wants at this point exactly exactly and so he might be trying to respect and honor something he saw in the old twilight zone anyway we'll get to that later you and i are at the same page so we talked about the women let's talk about the dudes so i we talked about like all the macro and microaggressions and i think that the microaggressions are some of the best parts of this episode and i kind of broke it up by dudes i thought we start with like the big bad who is dylan He's the worst dude, probably. This is something I want to say here because this is the one thing I do really like about the execution, having just like, yeah. you know, been mealy-mouthed around some stuff. Uh, I fucking love that, like, initially you think it's like, oh, Dylan's a good guy, except for that meteor. I love that at the end of this, there's no corner of the universe in which Dylan's anything but a raging asshole. Because that's real. Yep. Dylan is a raging asshole. He's a and really I bad guy. Yeah. Really bad guy. And you loved that. And you know, I mean, like, you kind of know that anyway, because of like the, t- like the dangerous situ- situation he puts Annie in is like beyond like any woman watching that is like, nope, nope. Mm-mm. Yeah. Leave. Fucking leave. Fucking run. Well, like, I, I like literally I think my nuts, my notes are like, run, 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 run. run. Right. No. Yep. Nope. Seriously. Dylan screams dot 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 and break shit dot dot dot. Run, 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 Get run, run, run. Parentheses. Car. Breaks the LP player. Next line. Run, 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 run. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. Like, I was just like, I don't know what you're doing. Just fucking run, Annie. <laughs> well, and even, you know, like, even though I think that they do kind of a nice job with this, we know he, ha- like, the work power dynamic is not in her favor. We know that he is, like, higher up in the company or, like, mm-hmm. more, def- at least, if nothing else, like, more established than she is and has more power. So for him. Absolutely. So for him to walk over to her in the first scene and be like, come over to my house, have lobster. And, like, and that like such a brilliant choice of food because like nobody eats lobster at someone's house if you're just pals especially not if the dude's dylan there's yeah there's no way so you know like you're like that's skeezy he should not put her in the position lobster like alone with a person unless they're like best friends like you and i would eat lobster together but like yeah but like that's because we have literal years and years of friendship no one is i'm not i'm not inviting someone i work with (laughs) over for lobster that's insane 
Um, and then, and to watch a meteor shower, like super romantic, symbols of super romantic things. And so like to do that when your power dynamic is not in her favor is not fair because she basically can't say no. And she already said she doesn't want to seem like a team player, which I feel like is like, oh, the kind of line that used to get used in the 19th and like, well, that probably gets used now now, like against women when they say it, you know, like, I was just going to say like, it's, but it's, it's very old school. It's very old school. Yeah. Um, and then he also, of course, like does the like privileged assumptions of sex, right? He they had the romantic moment. He fed her the lobster. Now they're on a couch together. So now he gets to have sex with her. Uh-huh. Um, and even the thing where he uh, like the line where he's like, "What are you? What are you doing? This will be fun. I'll do you first. I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> like no, I know. it's just the word choice and everything. Oh, it's just like, oh, oh. you know. And then he gasps. When it's something literally cosmic, don't you feel it too? It makes me feel like magic. Yeah. And so like, he goes, doesn't like listen to her say no, like puts his hand between her thighs. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. On. So he like starts from romantic. Then he starts from like balls out sexual. Like, don't worry, I'll go down on you first. Which is like yep. a crazy thing to say to somebody in that that's situation. Insane. Yeah. Uh, as if that's like what she's worried about. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm I'm just worried about like the fact that you're not going to be that good of a fuck, which yeah. I mean, honestly, also I am worried about. Also in addition, true. But like that's yes. not my like But like you're not putting on your c- coat if that's the case. No. Um, you're just then like, he, oh, so he goes be better than you seem like you'll be. He immediately jumps from from like balls out like explicitly sexual commentary to be like wait you you think i'm gonna want to have sex with you i don't want to have sex with you like gaslight the her. line is wait are you thinking i'm trying to fuck you right now Ew. yes dude well you're acting like i am and it's like dude like the fact that he even says like fuck you and like the way that he tries to make it like like seems sorted like and he's also grabbing her at this point in like bruising her arm yeah the physical threat that he puts towards her yeah well being yeah. like being like oh you poor baby i don't want to fuck you i don't even like you like what no that's not what this is yeah ew and then and then like that like snap where you see him like get really mad and then be like no it's fine you should go like Ugh! yeah yeah and then of course giving away to total rage like he's a Real bad. He's a real bad guy. And then the next day when she finds out that that whole situation happens and now he's sneakily gone behind her back to her boss and been like, she should be my direct report. Like, ew. And then, of course, he eventually tries to kill her. So he's real bad. Yep. Yep. But... I so I kind of like summed him up like the so these I thought guys, these guys were like emblematic of different types of bad guys. Uh-huh. So I thought he was like alpha male aggressor who then uses his power to smooth over his crimes. And I think his bad dude soulmate is Matt Lauer. Should we talk about Mike next? Oh uh, yeah, Mike is the husband, right? Mm-hmm. Martha's husband. God damn, Mike. Uh, so Mike initially seems like maybe he's a cool dude. He seems he seems like a lovable goofball. Is like. Yeah. And he's he's cast perfectly. Ike Barinholtz is like, per, I think is how you pronounce it, is perfectly cast in this because he's like, it's just, it reminded me so much of the great casting um, from Colossal where you're like, mm-hmm. where you're like, yes. Oh, yes. Like, he's like a sweet, lovable guy. Nice guy. It'd be like if you like, cast Chris like... O'Dowd in this role. Like, oh, my God, Jesus, please don't ever make me watch Chris <laughs> Like misogynist, I would asshole. hate it. Like, I would that would actually it. break my heart because it's already like Jason Sudeikis, brilliant. Like yep. I Barrett Holtz, brilliant. Like don't 
that's like making me watch like Seth Rogen like uh, Hulk out and rage on someone when like my entire perception of them is being like a little doofy Dar- and like darling fine. men, darling men. Yeah, but darling, like yes. same same vibe. Like he seems like a darling man, wouldn't hurt a fly. Like the kind of guy that if he were like. He was like, girl, I'm going to help you out. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Well, and the person who, like, you marry and it's like, this person will always be kind to me. Yes. Like, like you would never, you would never, if your friend invited it, like, you introduced you to this guy and was like, this is, this is the guy I'm dating now. You'd be like, he's though, he's a keeper. Like, good yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Yeah. Um but, like, so he presents himself as a reasonable man, a funny man, a sweet man, a man who dotes on his wife and, like, loves his family. But, sure. <laughs> but there are these little, little moments of little signs of possessiveness, little... bit of dick swinging. And upset about being, like, being, like, interrupted yep. and, like. And, like, uh, oh, my God, like, I love when Andy calls him out. He's telling the story about being in France and, like, what he said to the French, like, chefs and, like... Also, and, also, and I love like, the subtext of that, which is, like, if you're in France at a restaurant and you eat something you like, why would you go into the kitchen and be like, may I have the recipe? Come on, dude. <laughs> like, so everything about... So rude. Like, I wouldn't, so do, rude. I wouldn't do that in so my own that city, let alone no. a foreign country. Come on. No, I would try and become best friends with the chef over the period of a year, make a plan, and then one day, you know, yeah. strike. Yeah, anyway, we, we, um... I would connive, <laughs> aka I would Google it and see if he, like, got interviewed by Bon Appetit and, like, offered the mm-hmm. recipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so, like, Annie's like, why didn't you have Martha ask? Her French is great. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't send her in there with those louts. And, like, that is, like, oh, such, like, an indicator of, like, you know. Like, Ew. That, and, he, and he even says, like, some of us are still nice guys or something. It's like, oh, like Yeah, he's like, God, she's like, gross. some of us are still gentlemen or something like that. Yeah. And then, which is gross. And the whole, like, performative nature when, like, they both start telling the same story. And then his, and then Martha's like, oh, oh. Uh, you can tell and he's like you can tell it if you want like this is clearly something that they have like this is this is not the first time they've done this he yep. they've had yep. conversations after parties about her interrupting him is like how i interpret that scene oh 100 percent um yeah i've 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 actually been in that dynamic with a partner and like ugh, fuck it you know yeah yeah i mean mistake I'm a chronic interrupter. Kate's like, yeah, I'm I fucking know. Interrupter. <laughs> no, like, but Mary, that's why it works. Is that you and I both are like, okay. So I added our podcast, guys, like a little peek behind the curtain, and like I would feel bad about how often I interrupt you, but you and I just both take it in stride. It's we like interrupt each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but <laughs> yep, <laughs> I love it, and I feel like we, I, what, what, what we get out to the masses. Like I try to like. And the most part, like, I don't really need to worry about or cut it out because we do a good job of actually succeeding to what each other is saying. But, like, um, occasionally it's like, you know, if I just if I just cut out this middle, like, and splice them together, we both get to the same place. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's yeah. all good. It's great. No, I'm a chronic interrupter. I know it. I have I have had more than one partner be like, hey, yeah. about it. And then that's okay. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, that really hurt my feelings. Like, that's not sure, what I'm talking of about. Of course. No, that's But not. having like a little charade you do to me like, oh, we're just kidding, but we're super not kidding. That is yep. something different, <laughs> especially yep. in this narrative, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think that and also he kind of like the type of guy he is is to be like, 
I'm lovable, but like I'm the boss and I'm the protector and it's my house. Like all the things he does, like when he murders that cyclist in front oh of their my house. God. Jesus, yeah. He, like you see that when he like goes out and talks to his neighbor about the water and he's like, oh, I'm going to handle this. The men got it. Like we're all good. Like he's he's definitely that. Like he's the protector. He wants to police other people's behavior. He gets crazy and tries to carve up the woman in his family with a carving knife. Yeah, like for, no. for not being grateful for the service he provides. Them. Yeah. Like like just like and like tries to attack Annie. Like that is and this. This felt really real. The thing that finally snaps Martha out of like her like haze where she's like he's my husband we have to bring him even though he's acting like a raging maniac is when he's covered in blood and and she's like nope can't can't do that sorry gotta whack gotta whack you with this frying pan knock you out like twice to the head uh you know um yeah yeah. yeah. I mean he's just like so to me he's the kind of guy who's like a wolf in sheep's clothing on the surface he seems okay, but, but has some if real you think rage about issues there. Well, and if you think about it, he like he feels really comfortable speaking up for women, not like allowing women to have a platform to talk. Yeah. And then actually he's like real creep. Yeah. It reminds me of um there was a bit in maybe it was the last season of Portlandia or the second to last season, um ever and where it was like a men's feminist group oh i love that <laughs> one like, they like they're meeting to talk about how they're feminists like and not a single woman is at, at the meeting or like really yep. allowed yeah hilarious anyway. yep. yeah Hilari- he's that guy. it's exact he's exactly that guy yep. and then um so i thought that he his bad dude soulmate is louis ck oh yeah all right like, yeah. seems goofy, seems lovable. Everything that's wrong with him is actually pretty close on the surface, but you just, you don't see it until you're like, oh, no. the benefit of the doubt that they're yeah. not actually a creep. His, like, nature and the way he holds himself and the way he carries himself just does a really good job of, like, fleecing people into thinking that, like, even the things he's saying that are, like, in, like beyond a shadow of doubt are a threat are not a threat until you're, yep. like, until you're faced with incontrovertible proof that he's a bad guy. Like, you need, yep. like, he, like Louis C.K. had to be, like, standing in the kitchen covered in blood holding a carving knife. He'd be like, oh, right, no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, something, some, something's wrong here. Something's off. Yep. I know that there have been rumors and shit, but I didn't want to believe it. But now, like, it's incontrovertible. You are actually a psycho killer. Keska say, fa 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 The next bad dude is my favorite bad dude. Because I think he's, like, okay. the most nuanced bad dude. And I, it's a bad dude that I experience all the time. That's Phil, yeah. Annie's boss. <laughs> yeah. The titular Not All Men. Oh, my God. He's, uh, I like, for him alone, I think this episode is worth watching. Because he's, like, an old school dude, surely. And actually, he's so old school that it, like, doesn't make sense that he's friends with these people. I'm like... It- I, that was to me like the thing that I like. I was like, I don't really understand why he's at why or how he's at this party. This part, this birthday party. It's like for a minute I thought that they were he was their dad, and then I was like, no, he's definitely not that old. But like, just the way no. that he is doesn't make sense with the rest of them. Yeah, this is a guy who doesn't mean to endanger women, but is actually doing it constantly all the time, and is full of and is like a microaggression machine. Dylan, if I were Annie's boss and Dylan came to me and was like, God, have Annie on my project, I would be like, 
I'm going to talk to Annie about this. Yep. I don't know about this. You know, like, yep. just because Dylan, like, gives off way, way creep vibes and... <laughs> right? Just, be, just because I was on board yesterday and I understand that, like, this guy's creep. And also, it doesn't. Order. It never feels good suddenly being like, now you're now that guy's in charge of you. You had a project. Now that guy's in charge of that project. Like you would not handle that standing by her desk in public, like in the middle of the office. No, nope, that's that's a polite phone call you make uh, to your worker to be like, hey, hey. Um, yeah, you want to go out for coffee? So, I got to talk to him about something real quick. Yeah. Would you be comfortable? Would yeah. you be comfortable with this? And then well, that would be ideal, but yeah. And then he's the gall to tell Annie what to do with her time, like where he's like, "Oh, well, you have Dylan helping you out now, so now you can go to your own sister's birthday party." I was like, "Phil, who are you? What?" Yeah, no, I, mm-hmm, I had a real, I had a real hard time with that. And and he's the guy who gets like t- called out for like mansplaining when he starts to like explain the difference between a pate and a terrain, and um... and then like laughs about it, but you can tell he's like kind of not cool with it. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, that yeah. was and, interesting, damn it. <laughs> well, and it's a moment where like where like Mike kind of gets like the upper hand because he's like, Hey man, get woke, you know, like yep. because again, he's 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 a male feminist. Um yep. quote unquote. The the thing he friends with Amy Poehler despite all reason <sighs> anyway. Oh man. Well, Amy Poehler I don't know if they're still friends, it doesn't you know. Yeah, Amy Poehler is a, a tricky a sticky wicket for sure. The thing he does that I think is like almost the most telling is so subtle. I bet you picked up on it too. It's when uh, Martha is like, Phil, first of all, that sucks, where she's like, Phil has been telling me that you've been doing great at work, Annie, you. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, yes, she's the best entry level person I've ever hired. Yep. So everyone says the best in years and she has loves her job, you know, like just like, Ooh, what a good, like, what a backhanded what a compliment. Yeah. Like, to be, mm-hmm. like, your entry level. Like, he could just be, like, she's the best hi- person I've hired in years. I'm so excited that she's here. We're, we're much, we're so grateful to have her help. That's the classy thing to do, Phil. Yeah, it doesn't really even fucking matter. Like, that. this is, you're not talking to, like, to, like, your, your senior advisory board about whether or not she deserves to be in charge of everything. You're talking to her fucking sister at her sister's birthday. Like, And it also shows that like Phil, Phil's idea, like, idea of how the world works is completely broken down into pecking orders. I'm the boss, you're beneath me, and then that you are the person who's beneath the person that's beneath me. Like, mm-hmm. that's like, he like views the whole world that way, and that's real messed up. <laughs> like, like yep. after you leave the office, she's no longer an entry-level person to you. Like, that's not... Yep the case like she's just a co-worker like chill out um yep and and i got like a little hint of and i i've i've had in my past bosses like this who like are kind of treat women especially talented women as if they're like as if they are like christopher columbus discovering quote unquote the new world they're like "Ooh, i found you which means that all of your bounty and all of your wonder and all of your wonderful things are mine actually (laughs) like and you're like no dude i already had them i already i already like existed in the world and had like a whole ecosystem going on before you showed up like you are you are you are the one who is new here (laughs) like no i am not a discovery nope you are a colonist on my on my talent (laughs) yes buzz off preach yeah love that um, and of course, of course, his final action is to like 
Annie in the stories, Annie and Martha are are literally fleeing. They are running from danger. And he stops him. He's like, Martha, Annie, wait, not all men. I'm good. Wait yeah. a minute. And then like starts like diving into some insane mansplaining, being like, well, it probably interacts with our chromosomes. And then thankfully he gets uh, murked immediately. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So I identified his bad dude soulmate. This was tricky. It's harder to find these guys because they're like... They're not usually themselves, like, high-profile aggressors. Nope. But they're everywhere. Like, you, if you know yep. any of these guys, you know this guy. Um, yep. So You probably work with this guy. You probably, you probably work with at least one of these guys. You're probably related to one of these guys. Oh, hot take. Love it. Um, I, don't, I don't mean immediate family. I don't mean immediate family. I just yeah. mean, like, you know, families are large. No, no, yep, no, yep, no, yep. no, 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 no. You just probably... You probably have one of these guys in every portion of your life. There's somebody in your family yeah. who's like this. There's somebody in your friend group who's like this. And there's somebody at your work that's like this. Like, I totally believe that. That makes sense. Because it's common. It's so Extended common. Extended friend groups. You know, those people that get brought in because they're dating someone. Right? Am I right? There's Mary? always... You and I are too picky for that shit. There's always some girl who's named Heather who, like, picks the worst dudes. And it's always this Oh, dude. my God. Right? Heather. Get Heather. It She's so beautiful and smart. Why doesn't uh, she pick nice guys? That bitch. What? <laughs> that dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one is a this one's a little. I think this is like a little over egged of the pudding, but it is entirely based on his reaction to Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen. Woody Allen is an apologist for Weinstein. He he basically is like, I mean, uh, the means justify the ends, like or the ends justify the means, like what. He's a great artist, so what's the problem? And you're like, well, of course you think that because you are also a monster. <laughs> like, yeah. No, yeah. If if Woody Allen had not... If Woody Allen had definitely not raped his stepdaughter and then his yep. actual daughter yep. when she was a little child, then yep. she would be Phil. But, like... Th- then, yeah. <laughs> but the problem is, like, He definitely did that. But I think that Phil... Like, I would not be surprised oh. if Phil had some weird sexual transgressions. It's sort of like he's just sort of, like, old now. So he's like, yeah. this is how he, like, gets it out. But I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. And then, like, a lot of... Unfortunately, when you, like... When you, like, look into rape, rape rapist apologists, you end up with a bunch of women, which is, like, bad, guys. Ladies, my dudes, don't do that. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Okay, can I tell you one of the moments in this episode that felt like batshit fucking insane to yes, me? Yes, please. And I feel like, I feel like you'll, you'll have maybe not noted this quite as strongly, but I think that you'll... I think you'll I know what you're about to say. Go for it. Uh, so after the, the cyclist is dead and um, Mike is dead and they're out in the car and they try to back up, but like they end up getting wrecked into by someone who had been attacked in their car or something. I don't know that moment. I don't really get. They get out of their car. <clears throat> and I went back and rewound that and I still don't really understand what exactly happens in that scene. But they get out of the car and there's a woman walking down the road. And she was holding up like part of her hair. She's been attacked. She is bloody. She is in a dress. She is like kind of mumbling to herself and walking and walks past them and walks away. And they don't like fucking say anything or do anything or trying to help her or anything. And I just don't buy that. I don't buy it. I don't buy that shit at all. No. That did not pass the smell test. Okay. Nope. Perfect opportunity also, by the way, to pass the Bechtel test right there. Oh my God. Annie could have said to Martha, 
hey, she looks like she's in trouble. And Marley could be like, let's go see if she's okay. And then she could have joined their happy band. Oh my God, right? Like at least even if like she hadn't like have responded to them and, and kept mumbling to herself, like because she was trying to They should have at least fine, tried to help her. But they had to have, like the fact that they didn't have them at least try was... Insane. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have one more bad dude. Interestingly. I think this is the most, in- okay. this is probably the most interesting bad dude, but he does the least. So he's like less... He's yeah, yeah. less in it. And that's Steve Cole's boyfriend? Hookup? Yeah, 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 yeah. Boyfriend, I think. I think he's a boyfriend. I think, boyfriend. I think he's a boyfriend. Yeah. I think I think masquerading as a friend haven't come out yet, but, yeah. you know. But definitely, like, boyfriend. like they seem practiced at, like, they're a couple, I, I yeah, think. Yeah, this isn't a new thing. No. Like, this no. wasn't like a, I just started to kiss you and you're acting weird. No, 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 like no, no. Cole's definitely, yeah. like, like, identifies as queer. Yes. Like, yeah. no question in my mind. So yep. Steve and Cole have that weird moment on the on the houseboat where Steve is like coming on too strong to Cole, and it like it's like almost a direct co- like carbon copy of Dylan's treatment of Annie, like yep. where Steve gets mad, like Steve is like, "What? We're just having fun! Like, come on, this is all good!" And then like becomes furious, and like Cole has to flee. Um, yep. I thought his inclusion was interesting because I think that what Peel is saying here is that. Toxic masculinity does not discriminate insofar as gender. Like someone, just because you're like a young person who's queer and black, yep. you also can do this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. like if I said that, I would be like, oh, God. But yeah, I no, do think I'm that sh- Peel has the clout to do this. Yes. He he's he's in a position where he can say that, where you can say that like that this crosses lines. And he's not wrong. Dan Savage likes to talk about how like misogyny is like uh homophobia's like older uh bully brother. Like that, you know, these things like if you meet someone who's a misogynist, they're probably also homophobic, you know, like as so as a man, like fuck misogynists, you know. And if you meet yep. like and if people are capable of like that kind of hate and if, you know, racism is actioned against you, like, yeah, there's Oppression is uh, intersectional, um, and so your feminism has to be as well. Absolutely. Well, and I think also, like, it makes sense because, like, women, myself included, yep. like, we are, like, someone someone pointed this out to me recently, and I, I really like it as an idea because I think it shows you that, like, you can deprogram yourself and that you don't, like, that, like, you can have thoughts that are unconscious and they're not who you are. They are how society, like, it's um it's that the first thing you think is what society has told you. The second thing you yeah, think. Yeah, I say this a lot. I think that's beautiful yeah. and it makes yeah, so the much. Fir- the first thought is, like, what is, like, programmed into, it's, like, it's, yeah. like, you know internalization and the second thought is what you're choosing to do about it i probably heard it from you um (laughs) i love it and i think that 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 makes sense and it explains how somebody who is probably marginalized and uh discriminated against can also like do bad things to people and like maybe be a little bit homophobic or be a little bit misogynistic at the same time you know um, and it's, I think it's like, actually, I think it's scary to admit that, that you like that, like, it's scary for me to admit that sometimes I have a misogynistic thought. That's a scary yeah. thing to admit, but absolutely. But once you absolutely. do it, you're like, it's fine. That means that if you it ha- doesn't have power over me, cause I'm, yeah. I'm able to do something about it. I, yeah. I agree. Like, because that's the thing. Like we live in this world. Everyone has that first thought. 
Um, maybe not every thought every time, but everybody's you get had that. First you get thought. practiced at like rechanging and your you, programming. Yeah, you, get, you yeah, exactly. You get practiced at like at not even having to wait to have the second thought of like changing what the first thought is. But you can only do that by acknowledging what the first thought is. Yeah, like when you when I hear Kim, so you can have the second. When one. I hear like Kim Kardashian's vocal fry, which by the way I also have vocal fry, but when I hear her vocal fry, I think to myself, oh, she sounds so dumb, and then I'm like, that's misogynistic. Like, that is, yep. you know? Yep. Or, like, if I do, yep. like, a Valley Girls, like, voice, I'm like, that's misogyny <laughs> right there is me being, like, yep. a woman, a young woman is frivolous and stupid. Like, yep. you know, I, I think that if you, like, hold hate in your heart and you, like, kind of, like, like luxuriate in it, that's a huge problem. But, like, there is... All of us. There's just no one's stuff perfect. In our dialogue that yeah. yeah, no one's perfect. And and if you and if you and if you can kind of free yourself to be like that was misogynistic versus just being like I don't know about that. I think it's yep. actually quite freeing and allows you to. It's freeing and allows you to actually be the better person. Well, and, and deal you're with it to permission. Exactly, you're giving yourself permission to deal with it. Yeah, and and thereby become a better person than you were. Okay, so the twist. Uh, let's talk about what the twist is. What doesn't work? It's hard to say that because the twist does work. I like it, but the way it's executed, I do not like. Um, so we've we've already talked about this, but like I'm just gonna like go ahead level set us. So guys, it wasn't the meteorites at all. Ta da! You had the power to go home to Kansas in you the whole time. You just had to really feel it and want it. Um, these men didn't have to be monsters. They chose to be monsters. I also think that they use the word placebo here wrong. Yeah, so that's really <laughs> a big part of probably my beef. Right. I know, because you're right, a researcher. I get it. But, like, that also bugged me. I was like, I don't think that that's... It was just confusing as fuck. So, like, all right. You can't... First off. Yeah. Someone has to tell this, you this that it's going to do something for you for it to be a placebo. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, all right. Yeah, so that... Preach, all right, go. So, Guys, this is the logical part that I have a problem with. All right, and it's not even like it's it's something that's stupid for me to get on about. Because Kate, are you thinking Twilight with your Zone with your place... logical brain and not your emotional <laughs> lady brain? <laughs> I know, right? Well, also like the Twilight Zone is like it's allegory. I get that, but the problem is when you make something like that, like seems to transcend allegory, and you like pay such attention to the details. I'm going to have an issue when your details mess up. No, I. Devil's in the details. This this should be right. This should be so right. So they do a great job of having things pay off. In the very, very beginning, though, one of the things that they seed is she's trying to set up a placebo study. And at the very end, they're like, it was a placebo effect that caused men to, like, think that it was the it was the meteorites. And therefore, they got, like, angry. And so the meteorites are placebos the way that they don't actually do anything. But part of what's the point of placebos is, like, do you imagine an effect because you're told that this thing could have something? Like, Dylan can't possibly get angry because he thinks that the meteorite will make him angry unless that was, like, accepted lore in this world that we never heard about. It could have been fixed. Like, you could have been, like, a TV in the background where it's someone being like, now don't touch these meteors because sometimes the radiation causes madness or something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing. Like, there's so many details here that, like, I feel like it... It just seems sloppy. Or even if, she, even if she was like, "Hey, maybe you shouldn't touch that," because like we don't know if it's. I think radiation would be the thing. We don't know if there's like radiation. It might, it might mess you up, or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would have like, been fine, and then you could have like something else where it's like, "Don't pick up media. People are collecting meteors pieces, but don't do it." 
Like, there should have been something yep. there. Being linked to, like, people, like, going crazy. Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. Even if there something. was just a warning not to, I could see that it would be okay. Like, that would be good because then you would have people who were in a space where they were um, being transgressive. And then, yep. and like, def- and flouting the rules, and then therefore all the rules go out so that they could, like, the masks can fall. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't, absolutely. it doesn't even have to be like, now men, don't pick this up because actually it makes you go b- cuckoo bananas. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, it, yeah. it could be subtle and they just don't do it. And it almost feels like it's like a mistake. Like, I'm like, did they cut think, it by yeah. accident? Yeah, no, there, yes, that is, that's a real question I have, and it's a real problem I have with this ending, and I know that that's, I, like, I feel bad talking about it, because while, it's like Star Wars, Star Wars is more fairy tale than it is, like, hard sci-fi, this is more allegorical and parable than it is, like, real I know, sci-fi, but you need to, but, if your twist is gonna work, you gotta, like, you gotta, you, you gotta throw the ball up in the air before you spike it. Like, yep. I feel like they yep. spiked it when it was still on the ground. <laughs> like, yep. I'm just like, yep. I don't, I mean, I know what you're, tr- yeah. right, like, I know what you're trying to say. I get it. Like, I like it. I like the twist. The twist is, is good. Yeah, but the like, twist theoretically is really cool. But like, the but way you that you action it out. <laughs> didn't do the thing beforehand that makes it actually a twist. Now it's just like, weird exposition we didn't know. And like, Annie doesn't really sell it. Like, they don't, not, I don't, I don't blame the actress, but like, yeah. she goes from being like, it's the men, only the men. Like, the men are affected by the meteor. Like, Cole's like, I didn't turn even though I had this on me the whole time. And she, like, instantly is like, it's a placebo effect. And it's just yeah, like, and him being like, I, I knew just, it all the time because I can control my rage, which is fine. But, like, it's just, I don't know. It's very wooden. It's disingenuous yeah. and weird and makes it kind of after school special-ish almost. <sighs> yeah, they, and, like, like, turn to the camera and they're like, and that's why you don't do drugs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. and I fucking hate that because so much of this is so strong. Yeah, it has me compelled so long, and then we get to the end, and I'm like, yeah, they whiff it. Why? It sucks. Like, why? Well, yeah. also, and like, I don't. Maybe this will sound bad, but I really don't mean it to be bad. I don't like that Annie solves the mystery because yeah, all through this, because I think that they're way more powerful as like the every woman if they are ciphers, and that's okay in this story. Then they are to be the every woman, and we are supposed to see them looking for excuses the whole time. And then there's sh- like I would have even been fine if like a scientist or one of the soldiers was lo- who's a woman was like, dude, like Occam's razor. What's the easiest explanation? These men are violent because they chose to be. Like that is the simplest explanation actually. And you guys yep. have been like grasping for things. So for her to like kind of like make that sudden twist and you don't really have anything that happens because she's like explaining the behavior the whole time. It feels weird. Like, I think she's not you. They function so much better doing the unreliable narrations that we all do throughout our day. You need a third character who has implied expertise to come in and be like, no, I used to think that way, but now I don't anymore because reasons like because yeah, i like I've, I've seen stuff like this before or i've I scienced know. it out i i yeah. i'm in the military and i've seen i've seen men in aggressive situations before or like something yep. so i don't mean it to be bad I'm, I'm not trying to steal annie's like power to grow throughout this i just don't think it's earned i don't think it's earned either that's why like it doesn't work like this like she suddenly knows um right like annie pushing dylan in and letting him sink to the bottom of like 
the like lake that's like satisfying oh like, so you know, satisfying standing up for yourself like that that's annie's growth i don't need annie to also be like the most specialist most wonderful girl in the world who instantly knows what's wrong when like we haven't even done the work to show us what's wrong. No, you know, and also like, she's like she's been like running for her life for the last like twenty four hours. Like she doesn't need. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't believe that she'd have like the emotional capacity to do it at that point. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I had a, I had some major problems with that as well. Yep. And I think that's also why it feels sort of weak. You have the, these characters that really should even even in like kind of traditional Twilight Zone moment. Um. Like you generally have some like a like a third character come in and be like this is the case and then they react to it because they are you in the story right so to yeah. have them suddenly be like and it was all a dream feels really crummy <laughs> um, yeah exactly exactly that's that's why it feels like yeah like I've bought into your story it's it's almost like uh, Deus Ex Machina you know at the end like you know God comes out of the machine it's like. Oh, never mind. We fixed it. Okay, it's over. Bye. Anyway. So as weak, so that's the also weak a pacing issue, maybe. Yeah. Sorry. That's the weakest part for sure. Yeah. The strongest part for me is that this is like so blunt of an indictment, and like I love it. Like I love it, it feels inflammatory in a way that not much that we've watched, and I think that we've we've found some like very artistically like things that are artistically more. Um, valid and exciting than this things that Mm -hmm. have deeper more nuanced messages that like opened up chapters of understanding in my mind than this like all of those things i'm not saying that it's like the best art i am saying that this is like the strongest boldest statement about toxic masculinity that we have seen by design truly i mean that's what it's supposed to do but like truly it's meant to be that but like i had the same moment that i had in um Twilight Zone uh, then when sh- when um, when the main character was like, I don't want to be beautiful. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really crazy. That's a, like a that's an insane statement for a woman to make it. Like you can say, yep. I want to be beautiful the way I'm beautiful. Like that's kind of how we do it. I'm like, whoa. So like I had a similar thing where I was like, wow, all men are evil. Wow. That's a crazy thing to say. I yeah. like it, though. Um, yeah. But, you know, so I think that that's the most successful thing it does. Um, is that that the ultimate message of this is yes, all men, all men have yeah. this inside them all the time, and I think it suggests even a little bit more that like because we have characters like Phil and Steve as well, that like this is an that toxic masculinity is like seductive, it's addictive, and all men yeah. participate in it until they choose pretty much not to. Like if you are a good guy. Not like a nice guy, but like you're like a reasonable guy. You're good. You're good to the people in your life. You are. You are like you treat your um, the women you work with fairly. You you know you you are kind to the women that you love uh, and sweet. And, but if you are like throwing side eye at the concept of like rape culture, you are holding the line of toxic masculinity. You are actively yep. working to keep the status quo in place, and therefore you're holding the line for toxic masculinity. Like you're, you're you're allowing that to continue, and you're allowing men to be dominant in perpetuity. Like it's not yep. you are not a nice guy. Then yep. you're not a good guy. You're a bad guy. You need to. You it is your job to grow. 
and realize that that is not fair and that is not right. And you should champion. Be a champion for the people in your life and a champion for human rights in general. Yep. Be better. Hey, real quick. Mm-hmm. Did did you pick up in the moment they walk past a water fountain and everyone's dancing with like the rocks in the water and this guy shouts, fuck you, Chad. Fuck you, Becky. Fuck you, feelings. And Chad and Becky are like in cell shorthand. Did you know that? I didn't know that. What is that? Yeah. Uh, like Chad's are like the alpha male who like always gets the girl and like, you know, Becky's are like, you know, are dumb bitches stuck up bitches that like are post provocative because they need attention. You know, that Whoa, kind of thing. thirst traps. So, yeah. yeah. Weird, weird, weird shit. Whoa. No, post provocative, like not will not try, you know, Stacy's <sighs> Stacy's are hot and putting it all out there. Apparently oh. whatever. Anyway, it's all gross. I do feel um, when you and also my brother talk about incel culture, I feel like a babe in the woods. I'm like, what? I don't know anything. I mean, like, I know, I know of it, and I can like recognize it, but like, like you guys like can spot things that I don't, and I appreciate you letting me know. I feel just so naive when you talk about. I'm like, I think that the finger in this case is pointed very correctly at the right source, but the lame Uh delivery of the twist makes the solution, which I also think is correct, which is, like, women cannot fix toxic masculinity. Men have to choose to face it and then, like, deprogram themselves (laughs) out of it. Fell a little flat. But just because of the twist. Like, I think it's all there. All the pieces are there. They just don't line up the way I want them to in a way that I feel is as impactful as it could be. I agree. So we watched two episodes of Twilight Zone separated by 55 years. Holy shit. <laughs> that does put it in perspective, yep. you know? Um, hey, Mary, you want to know what we're not 55 years Nope. Old? Not even close. Nope. Thankfully. Nope. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Being, yeah. being old is terrible. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> I just... Oh, yeah, no, I'm. Yeah. I I feel like that being old is terrible. I mean it all. The I mean time. it anyway, constantly. Yeah. Hate old. <laughs> um, I feel like it's. I feel like I have lived 55 years in the last like few weeks, and I can tell you, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Um, nope. <laughs> just like nope. I am. I am grateful for the few years I've been, the few years that I have been on this earth these days. Yep. Um, so I'm really glad I watched these back to back because. Yeah. I so we started at the top. I don't love New Twilight Zone, and I feel bad about that. And I didn't yeah. really know why New Twilight Zone didn't land with me until I was forced to to consider it from a more Watching critical back angle. Back. Yeah. yeah, and I realized that like old old school Twilight Zone does the same thing. Like it kind of del- it, it's it's pretty blunt about what it's saying. It doesn't you know like dance around the issue. It's very earnestly delivered, generally. Yeah. And I think that Peel is just trying to cleave really closely to that. And he's really respecting something that meant a lot to him in his youth. Like, he is he's yeah. such a student of cinema, you know? Yeah, of, co- of course. Like, I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. And I do, but I just think that what's charming in black and white and charming in yeah. a narrative from 55 years ago and, like, feels, like, good and right... Just like doesn't ring, f- rings really false when it's in full color in 2020. Yeah, hyper realism wasn't a thing that you could achieve them, but like I also they weren't trying. Yeah, they weren't trying to achieve hyper realism either. 
like the tonality and stuff. And so like it doesn't the tonality doesn't work as much when like it's not hyper earnest and like hyper like, you know, wide eyed to then have like a hyper earnest ending. Yeah. At the end. I mean, it feels almost like parody. Like I I've always known that feels yeah. monologues feel like parody to me. They have a parody quality to them. And I just like never I always kind of wrote it off and I was like, well, I'm so used to like because I, I watched Key and Peel a lot and I yeah, thought it was of great. Course. I was like, really I was like, maybe just because I see him and I didn't see him in Us or in um, Get Get Out, Get Out, in Get Out. Maybe, maybe when I see him, I I envision him doing like a sketch. So I I think it's funny, but I don't think so. I think that it's just like this tonality is not right for this, uh, for for the modern age. And I think that's really the problem across the board with this episode because he'll set up like really interesting really cool stuff but like it's his stuff at the like and i hate to say that i fucking love jordan he's the best like cross my heart like but but yeah his his bookings don't ever work quite at the level that you want them to they don't land i think that they should be voiceover so i thought a lot about how to fix it I mean, I think, like, a more okay. naturalistic style would be better, just overall. And I think that if he just did a voiceover and you saw, like, the characters still, like, just, just kind of, like, going about their day or, like, further setup, like, visual setup, I think it would yeah. work. I think it would work better because we're just, like, more used to that now. Yeah. I, I think cutting to him is the problem. Or maybe, I've even thought about this, if he has to be in it, maybe there's voiceover at the beginning and then at the end we kind of get like uh, an Alfred Hitchcock Presents or a Wonderful World of Disney Presents. Yep. And it's yep. just like him sitting like behind a desk or in like a like a chair and he like tells us what the little moral is. Because it's just more naturalistic then. Like if he could case yep. it a little bit, it's the fact that he's like in the scene and I know that that's like what they did in Twilight Zone 2. But it just yeah. feels goofy. Yeah. It, again, Twilight Zone looks like you're watching a play. So people exiting stage and him walking onto stage works. This yes. It's just weird. It's just, it's weird. Yep. So what I will say, so like I would, my advice to Jordan Peele, <laughs> master <laughs> that he is. Yeah, master <laughs> filmmaker Jordan Peele, if you want to, if you, if you want to hear, uh, my yeah, armchair opinion, I thought that yeah. this was going to happen with coronavirus is that like everyone, everyone in their thirties would suddenly be like an armchair expert about everything and be like, I'm sorry, but actually like talking about things I know nothing about. I don't think I know yeah. nothing about this, but I definitely know way less than Jordan <laughs> Um For sure. Uh, but that would, like, as much as I want those things to change, what I also didn't expect, because, like, I, my impression was, or I thought this was going to happen. I was like, so maybe the tone's the same, but I think that the messages of Jordan Peele's stuff are just, like, bolder. And that's kind of true, but I kind of think that they're doing the same thing. Yep. I think that Twilight Zones of the past were written not to preach to a choir. They were meant to convince and, like, expose other ways of thinking to peop- to mainstream audiences. And I, totally. I, think, I think that's what Jordan Peele is also doing. And he did it in in Get Out, and he did it in Us as well. Like, I, I won't say that Get Out or Us are written for white people because they aren't. No. But they definitely, they definitely like take the time to like take us by the hand and be like, here's how it is. Like, and show us, 
beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like this yeah, is this is the reality for white people. But but he makes it very easy for a white person to come in, enjoy, and also look at themselves in the mirror. Yeah, which is good. so, and it's and super successfully too. Yep. I mean, I think I think that us is even more successful at that because it's yep. like it's 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 kind of like aims at like the middle class and up in general yep so i think that there's just like a wider audience for that but um and also shows us that all of our fears are so richly deserved yeah um (laughs) but like so i think that he's like he's correctly like grooving on that kind of thing so i don't i want that to stay i want him to stay on um, what some people, what critics called, but I was like, that's a badge of honor, called an unflinchingly social justice warrior agenda. No, I fucking love it. He should keep doing yeah, he should. that. Because it's gutsy and cool, and it's probably the best thing about these shows. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I'll keep watching them. They keep on being captivating. They keep on having messages that I care about. It is weird when, like, they don't feel like they're aimed at me, but I would like to believe that I'm not such a minority that, like, I because because of that I'm like I don't I don't know who they're necessarily aimed at. Yeah. That's true. I mean like we're the choir we would be the choir. I think each episode has an equally bold message. Like uh replay is about racial profiling. Um yep. there's an episode about immigration reform which is pretty good. It's a little goofy, but it's it still has like it lands for sure. For sure. Um mm-hmm. you know, they all kind of have these bents, right? Would it surprise you to know that this episode in particular, so all of them kind of like drive at things that I think generally are considered like provocative and inflammatory. This episode has the lowest rating of any episode in the series. Any other episode. Really? Yep. Like significantly so. I think that most of them trend around like a six out of 10 on IMDb. And this is like a hard four. (laughs) That's pretty true. And. Wow. Yep. And here's a typical review that I found. So I think this one really hits a nerve. To say this episode manages to do the worst worst than all of the previous ones is an understatement. Actually, I liked the premise and wanted to see where they would take it. After a short time, it was obvious there were going to be yet another virtue signaling all men are evil episode. I get it. Men are often crazy sexist animals. But to go so far as saying all men have the evil inside them, but not women, that's just an insult to anyone with a brain. If this episode was about soul stealing harpies that eat men alive, it would have been insulting as well. But nowadays, it's all right to blame men for everything. This is uh, if you're listening in the audience this is where you know that this is a problem it's okay men can take it but this show can't write a decent episode without shooting itself in the foot repeatedly good writers are apparently rare as men who treat women respectively sad period sad period oh my god (laughs) so while i do know what you're saying when we're saying, like, who is watching this and needs this quite so blatantly banged over their head? Yeah, I think the then, answer is, you're those unfortunately, lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it's landing. I don't know if it's convincing. I don't know if it's landing. But I do think that there is something about touching a nerve here. Like, that's, yep. I think, actually should be a badge of honor for this particular episode. Yeah, a mark of success for sure. Yeah. Um. So what do we think? Is this episode feminist? Is this episode interesting? Would we recommend someone watch it? 
this episode is misogynistic as fuck. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Dumb, dumb bitches. Why can't they? Why can't? Why can't? Why, why can't they? Why love, can't they pick better? Why can't they date better? And date by date better, I mean date me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, though, ladies, why can't you just date me? Just listen here, <laughs> listen here, Beckys. Stop dating Chads. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think this, like, to say this episode is not a feminist is, like, insane. Like, it definitely yeah, is. No, it has, it's, it's definitely feminist. It has story. It's definitely interesting from a feminist perspective. It has story problems for sure. I, I do think it's worth a watch. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. My issues with it are because so much of it delivers at such a high level that when it whiffs, it's such a fucking letdown. Yeah, it, it, you think it should be better than that. Um, and that's, and that's my problem with, again, a lot of new Twilight Zone. And so, like, it's not a bad problem to have that you're delivering at too high of a level that, like, you know, when you come in with a little, like, and that's why you always leave a note, you know, <laughs> sort of, like, message yeah. at the end that it doesn't really work because you're like, yeah, but you created this, like, rich world. It's almost like, I feel like this, I feel like Black Mirror is what actually New Twilight Zone Yes, it is. Looks like. It is. And, like, that this is, like, and even trying to do New Twilight Zone, but, like, yeah. because... Because we have changed our cynicism and everything else. Like, it just, yeah. And I might be alone on this, but I think that Black Mirror is also quite uneven. Generally, in a season that's, in, a, in the best of seasons, I like half the episodes. And the other half, I think, are kind of like, eh, or I really hate them. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the nature of, like, anthologies. Like, some yep. things will, you're up one day, you're down the next. And that's land. okay. Yeah. I do think that um, Twilight Zone, New Jack Twilight Zone, has not quite gotten to the like perfection level of really really good episodes of Black Mirror but I think that they can get there um I think that they can get there and you know maybe it just needs to get its legs I do I'm so series two is coming out soon later this year um and I and I hope it like I hope it finds its legs good you know but I suspect if it doesn't in this next yeah. se- series, it's going to be in trouble. But like most yeah, first, most first seasons of stuff is not great. <laughs> like, well, and and Jordan Peele's incredibly talented. If anyone can turn it around, he can. And if Twilight Zone doesn't work, it's not going to be the end of Jordan Peele's career by far. Yeah, it's and it probably won't be the end of Twilight so. Zone. There have been so many Twilight Zone reboots, and like Twilight Zone delivered in different formats, and just like. Twilight Zone. Yeah. We don't have to feel bad for Jordan Peele, nor do we have to feel bad for the franchise of The Twilight Zone. Both of them are more than the sum of their collective parts. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. I cannot tell you how excited I am about Jordan Peele's new HBO show. Oh, my God. Me. Me, too. As much as sometimes I wish that Jordan Peele would put his own stamp on something old and truly make it something his... I have no doubt in my mind that his new show, Lovecraft Country, coming to HBO in August, is going to be bomb. I'm so excited. Yeah. And we'll at least have to, like, touch on it. We've talked about doing it for uh, another show that I do uh, with my brother, uh, who you probably heard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, Kate, I know horror is not your absolute favorite, but Mm -hmm. if if you're into it... I would... I would yeah. guest like nothing else on an episode of that uh, over at Crypt Creepers, um, where I've yet to I've yet to come on. So that would be a really exciting opportunity. We haven't had a single guest. We need to open up the doors, open up the crypt. You know, you know that opening it up is going to make this sound. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, opening up for our on our sci-fi show is like fum, shoom, fum, shoom, shoom. <laughs> A 
smooth sound of metal gliding through air quickly and and seamlessly. Uh huh. Like like a vacuum seal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad we <laughs> took a moment to uh, do some uh, sound effects live for you all. Well, this is a this is an audio medium. I think yeah, it's fine. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that the next time we do a holiday special, it should all just be uh, sound effects we create with our own mouths. <laughs> so you mean like a like an, a radio drama of a police academy movie? Yep. So Mary, what's our next series going to be uh, coming up? Right. Okay. So we, Kate and I, have sp- were once young, <laughs> and also spent a good deal of time um, working with youth in summer camp situations. And so I think that we have always had sort of a soft spot for coming of age school stories, things like that, not only because of our own nostalgia, but because we extended that interest, even though neither of us became teachers, we extended that interest in in the youths. The youths. Hello, fellow youths. (laughs) And there's lots to be sad about right now. We're also a million years old now. (laughs) The pandemic has aged us by millions of years. Anyway. (laughs) We're as old as Steve Buscemi looks, because Steve Buscemi (laughs) is also not particularly old. So we... Acute, are acutely aware that there's lots of things to be sad about. And we're sad about a lot of things. But one of the things, even though it's not personally touching my life right now that I'm sad about, is that I know that this is really hard for teenagers and college students. Like, this is this sucks. You know, you're, you're see, if you, especially if you're a senior, especially if this is ending soon, you're, you're being robbed of a rite of passage that you, that you thought was just going to be handed to you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I would say, like, as important as that is for coming of age, having just celebrated a graduation last year, last May, oh, that that's was right. yeah. so important to me to get to, like, have this moment of, like, closure and catharsis. It was probably one of the most exciting days of my adult life, which probably sounds lame, but... It doesn't Holy sound crap, lame. grad school was hard, and it was so nice to celebrate with my loved ones. And my my very own sister, our, our sometimes co-host, uh, guest host, whatever, Megan Whitney, is uh, is missing her graduation uh, as well yeah. now that she's finished she's, residency. So She's in this boat, too, and it's yeah. no fun. Yeah. It's, it's no fun for anybody. So we would like to take a moment. We're going to step away um, from science fiction for just a, for just a quick sec. Uh-huh. And we are going a to honor, minute. yeah, hot minute. We're going to honor um, the graduates among us uh, with two of our favorite graduation movies and school movies of all time, which are drumroll, please, drumroll, please, Booksmart and Legally Blonde. Hell yeah! I'm so excited to get into them. So Booksmart will be coming at you next time. I can't wait to discuss this film. With the transcendent Beanie Feldstein, who I love so deeply. It's one of my all-time favorite movies that's available on Hulu right now. Uh, Legally Blonde. I'm not sure where it's available. We'll have an update for you at the in their next episode. But that captures two different points of graduation. So high school, college, and grad school. We get a twofer with Legally yeah. Blonde. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Space Bros. Uh, we can't wait for you to join us next time. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever podcast medium of choice you have. Subscribe, rate, review us. And our website is outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras. And as always, 
even though everything might suck. And I feel very like I'm tempting fate because it seems like everything just keeps getting a little worse. Yeah, totally. Week by week, day by day. Uh, <laughs> even though um, everything might suck and start sucking more. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, there's no bottom, it seems. Um, <laughs> please raise your glasses and remember that we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Outrageous.